3: Monday afternoon. How are you? And welcome to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440. Also coming to you live on Oilers Nation YouTube. Of course, some of you may be streaming it. Sports1440.ca. You got the app, which is great. Take it anywhere you want. Virtually uh, no data uh, charges and lots of you have unlimited data anyway. But uh, get it on Stingray, iHeartRadio, the radio player app. If you're a little staticky somewhere where you're out to get the app, trust me, it'll be a crystal clear 100% of the time. As always, our show is brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website, and all the revenue stays right here in the province of Alberta. And here we are, nine days away from the start of the uh, actually no i think it's 8 days away from the uh, start of the NHL uh, regular season because there're actually some games on the uh, the tuesday uh, the 10th if i'm not mistaken so that's uh, that is good that is very good so yes three of them on uh, next tuesday is when the uh, season officially begins older season of course begins next wednesday on the road in vancouver against the canucks where they were on saturday they went into calgary on friday night Jack Campbell plays very well. Brad Malone, sweet little backhand to win it in overtime for the Edmonton Orders. They go into Vancouver on Saturday, and hey, two guys who are battling for jobs: Adam Ernie, Raphael LeVau get goals, but the Orders lose five to two, and uh, now they're in the Seattle. It's the final week of the preseason. Orders will play tonight in Seattle. Wednesday at home to the Flames and Friday at home to the same Kraken. The uh, Oilers obviously made some cuts over the weekend; none of them surprising. The, I guess, surprising disappointing news was the announcement that Brandon Sutter is retiring from the NHL. He played on Saturday. He met with the coaching staff and managers on Sunday and just felt like, you know, he still got some health concerns from long COVID, and so uh, he elected to retire. And uh, we wish him obviously the best. I, I have to think at least. It's a little bit easier mentally to accept that your career is over when you gave it your best. You know, he trained all summer and unfortunately, long COVID can be extremely challenging. All right. Just to, you know, his breaths and uh, everything he talked about with his immune system and stuff like that. So, uh, we wish him and his family the best. Number one, he can be a normal husband and dad. That was something that for a long time, he couldn't even do that. He said he was breathing literally like this all the time. shortness of breath for like a year. That'd be brutal. So happy that, uh, you know, he's able to function in a a normal life. Just can't play in the NHL because obviously that's a a next level of breathing and cardio and everything like that. So all that means now is the uh, Oilers and the, the 12th forward spot to me, this is the final week and uh, you've got some guys in the mix Obviously, Lane Peterson is there, Raphael Lavoie, Adam Ernie, Brad Malone, James Hamilton. Heck, maybe even Seth Griffith. Probably a long shot, but I'll say this about Seth Griffith. The guy knows how to produce points. Now, I, I don't think he's necessarily fit to be in the role that they're going to be looking for on the fourth line. So you have big wingers in Lavoie and Ernie. And I, I, I want to start the show today on Monday. Please don't be the person who texts in like, Raphael Lavoie is getting played with a bunch of terrible players. How many NHL games does Raphael Lavoie have? How many? Oh, that's right. Zero. Okay. He's played in the AHL. Good for him. He's not an NHL player. Don't insult guys who've been NHL players by saying they're plugs. It's, it's got to be the most ignorant comment an average fan can make. Okay? A plug would be me when it comes to hockey. I don't see how I'm a plug in real life. But in hockey, sure, I would be considered a plug compared to NHL guys. Raphael Laval had to go to camp with me. Yeah, sure. Then you could say he's a plug. But give me a break. Adam Herney's played 330 NHL games. Now, he's not a, an elite scorer. But that's 330 games more than Raphael has ever played. Heck, James Hamlin's played more NHL games than Raphael Laval. I, I don't get where... This entitlement comes from well, Raphael Var is not getting a fair chance. What the hell are you talking about? He's playing with guys that he would play with if he was in the NHL. It's a fact, right? I do, stop asking him to play a game with McDavid and Drysaddle. Why? What? What is that going to prove? Honestly, what's it going to prove? Do you think Raphael Lavois zero NHL games and because he scores once or twice in a preseason game with McDavid, Jay Woodcroft's going to be saying, well, geez, guess we're going to take Zach Hyman and Dustin and Connor Brown off of our top six. So we can put Raphael of there. Cause he scored in a preseason game. That's not how it works. It makes no sense. And don't waste time. Why do it? The orders are here to win. That's their go- job this year. The top six guys have played with the top six guys. Cause guess what? That's what's going to happen in the regular season. Now, injuries occur or maybe after 20 games Dylan Holloway's lighting it up then maybe he'll get into the top 6, great but Dylan Holloway who's been getting lots of minutes and has played very well in my opinion right? second year guy Raphael Lavoie has zero NHL games this thought process that somehow he's just getting completely looked over is ridiculous I think it's great that him and Ernie are on the same line because let's call a spade a spade here There's only one spot available, and those are two guys battling for it. So they're in the Brad Malone's in the lineup. James Hamlin's in the lineup. They're all in the lineup tonight. I I don't think that's a coincidence. You put those guys in, they all know. They're not idiots. Look at the depth chart. They know what's happening. So it's great. It's fun. But please stop with, uh, oh, he's getting no chance. There's no reason to play him with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. None. To this point, Raphael Lavoie has proven nothing that states he's a for-sure NHL player. He's got potential. Great. There's lots of players with potential that are unable for a variety of different reasons to stick in the NHL. Adam Ernie, he found a way to play there over 300 games. Now, he might not play another NHL game. I have no idea. But he's played 300 more than Raphael Lavois at this point. So I wouldn't call him a plug. And that Raphael Lavois, because he was a second-round pick four years ago, was suddenly, you know, the greatest prospect the owners have had here. And he has to get a chance to play with McDavid and Dreisel. doesn't make any sense to me at all. So also on the uh, show today, we're going to talk a uh, little uh, MLB playoffs. The Jays, they start tomorrow against the Minnesota Twins. And, uh, hey, the Twins had fewer wins than the Jays in the regular season. Now, they have home field advantage. All three games will be in Minnesota starting tomorrow. Jays haven't announced their start. I got to think, Connor Hallie that it's going to be Gosman. Is it not? Like, I, I don't see any any reason why. Now, I'd have to look back. Maybe
4: rest might be the only reason, but I got to think Kevin Gosman's a starter. No? I mean, he would be the guy I'd be comfortable with them going with to start things off. Just a guy who's you know, going to give you a quality effort. Uh not so many up and downs like we've seen some other the like, other starters in the Jays rotation. Uh looked into it, Craig, or the Jays two and one this year in Minnesota. So if they can duplicate that, should be a, a good series, but I cannot wait for playoff baseball. It's oh, unbelievable.
3: It. Oh, I love playoff baseball. Every bat matters, it's great. Especially now that they've sped up the game. It's gonna be even better. Can't wait to see the the playoffs with the The pitch clock and everything else, so that'll be fun. Another weekend in the National Football League. And, oh, Jets fans put a little scare into the Chiefs. Mr. Wilson, not bad performance. And, hey, what about Miami? Ooh. Some people wanted to anoint them, the Super Bowl champions, last weekend at this time. Because they crushed Denver. Scored 70 points. Well, Buffalo returned the favor, put up 48 On the Dolphins. And so, a little bit of a flex by the Bills to say, hey, wait a sec. We're still in the AFC East. We're still pretty good. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals offense is absolutely putrid. I don't know how else to explain it. You got Joe Burrow. You got two really good receivers. You got a decent tight end. You got a good running back. And they can't do anything. Cons. Like, it is... It is shocking to, and I get the Joe Burrow. You know what? Maybe he's a little bit rusty, but still, like, it is amazing to me how bad they look. Like, Tennessee dominated them.
4: Yeah, I mean, and I will say, I do think Tennessee is a good team. I think they're very well coached. Yeah, but but don't you
3: like Cincinnati? Don't you at the start of the season? Do you think Cincinnati was going to be a team that would get
4: embarrassed by Tennessee? No, they're terrible. I mean, embarrassed by by Cleveland as well, right? And the win against the Rams was not that impressive by any means at home on Monday night. No, Joe Burrow has not looked good, and if that injury is as bad and making him play this way. Maybe he shouldn't be playing. Maybe you should give him a week off to to try to rest up and heal because he's out there looking terrible. Uh, QBR this year thirty three. His quarterback rating sixty nine point one. Like he just he does not look like the same player. And I know last year he started off slow as well, but he kind of found his groove. There was signs by week three that he was turning it around. It hasn't come this week or this year. So I don't know what the problem is with with Joe Burrow if that knee injury is really hampering him this much, but. He's been brutal, and he's killing me in fantasy. On top of that, Gregor, so might have to make a move here. Might have to make a move from Joe Burrow. Ooh, tough one. Yeah, that has been very tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I need, I need a little. I need some
3: points from the Seattle offense tonight, specifically Metcalf and the third, as I like to call him, running back. So, between the two of them, can they combine for twenty three points in a PPR league? I would hope so. I would hope so. So see what happens. Um, The lineup tonight for the orders, a game, by the way, that you can watch on orders plus. Now I haven't looked to see if Seattle is picking this up and if it's available on the NHL uh, center ice package. I haven't looked yet, so I don't know. But uh, maybe we'll check out to see if it's on uh, center ice or not. But uh, it will be on Orders Plus for those that are interested in watching. Jack Campbell will get the uh, start in goal tonight. And Campbell was excellent. He was outstanding in Calgary. That's a good sign for order fans. Uh, Kevin Woodley will join us today because we will talk about Jack Campbell. Also, we're going to talk about Stuart Skinner. Woodley's got a lot of numbers when it comes to goalies in year number two. Stuart Skinner, of course, Rookie of the Year finalist last year. How do goalies on average fare in year number two? Because teams now have an extensive video library to know tendencies. So does Stuart Skinner, though, right? He knows more about shooters around the league, so that helps him, but it also helps the shooters. What do the numbers say? Woodley will be by to talk about that also, Considering, you know, the waiver wire and everything uh, leading up uh, in a week's time, there's some goalies that will be available. The Tampa Bay Lightning need a goalie. It's obviously Vasilevsky will be out two months. Who are the best options? We already saw Columbus claim Spencer Martin. Well, Woodley believes that Spencer Martin's probably would have been like the fourth or fifth best option. So Tampa Bay is going to get an option. We'll see uh, who they like and when those options will be placed on waivers. So uh, we'll talk to Woodley about that. Uh, also on the uh, show today, we are going to uh, hear from uh, Scott Miller talk a little uh, MLB playoffs. Andy Petrillo. Now, am I missing something? Is Herdman not supposed to be the coach? Who gets hired as a coach but then doesn't coach? What the hell's going on? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something, but I, I can't recall that ever happening. Seems uh, very odd. Also. Is Christine Sinclair retiring? Touch on that. We will hear from Speck uh, and the McNamara talk a little uh, NFL. Also, actor Thomas Ian Nicholas will uh, join us, of course, from uh, Rookie of the Year. Was also in uh, American Pie as a musician, big sports fan. So uh, we'll talk to him about uh, all of that. The, uh, the Rookie of the Year. Class, if you were a young kid, Rookie of the Year is a great movie. Great movie. Con's like, that's right in your wheelhouse, was it not?
4: Absolutely loved it. One of my favorite movies as a kid. There was a, a really good run for five years, I think, where we had, like, Rookie of the Year, uh, Mighty Ducks, Sandlot, Little Giants. Pretty much any movie or any sport you want to talk about, the big green for soccer, there was a good Disney-type movie made. And, uh, yeah, that was one of my favorites. I always thought maybe I could break my arm and uh, start throwing heat for the Edmonton Trappers or something. But I'm looking forward to this one. And then American Pie, Gregor. Like, that's that's a classic for for a certain generation.
3: Oh, are you kidding me? Whew. He was uh, Kevin Myers was the role that he played in uh, in American Pie, classic role. So uh, Thomas, Ian, uh, Nicholas will uh, join us coming up here in about uh, seven minutes' time. As always, you can get involved. You can text us in our Jiffy Lube inbox. It's also the phone number. So either one you like. You can email us if you want to go. Gregor at sports1440.ca. Connor, two N's, two O's. at sports1440.ca. As he likes to say, no one with a Connor spells your name with an E. So... Hey, Gregor, so with Lavoie, you're saying there's no reason to play him on the top line? Surely it's not the case. Does he have to? No. It'd be beneficial that he can do it with elite talent, even just for a period. If his future is with his team. The top two lines is the ultimate goal. Alex. Hey, Alex, I will strongly disagree with you in thinking. So name these guys. like People who think Raphael Levois, Like, did Anton Lander score over a point a game in the minors? Did Tyler Benson Where people say, man, these guys got to be top six. No, there's lots of guys who score big numbers in the American League who are never going to be in that role in the NHL. Ever. Now, Raphael Levoin might get into that role. And you know what? If all season he plays well, then next year you want to give him some preseason games there? Sure. No problem. But why now? What does that benefit for one period? What is one period going to show you anything? Like I... I really don't understand what you think that one period's gonna do. If anything, it might put too much pressure on him. He's gonna like, oh my God, I gotta get the puck to these guys. He's never gonna make any plays. So I don't see the real benefit, to be honest. And I can give you a laundry list of players who in their first training camp, or sorry, as a pro where they were on the cusp of making the team, weren't just like, oh, let's play with our top guys. Is Tampa Bay putting their guys with Kucherov and Stamkos and point in the preseason? Is Colorado? Like, honestly, show me the other teams that are doing this. Why? Why are they doing it? To me, you're sending mixed messages to the player because you've had a conversation with Raphael Laval. He's not dumb. He knows where his spot on the team is. So you have to play this way. Guess what? When you play with Connor McDavid, you're going to have to play the game a different way. So now you're going to confuse him and, I'll, oh, let's put you out for a period. We've been asking you to want to play maybe a little bit more robust, a little bit more dumb of chase. Well, now you're going to play with skilled guys. It's a totally different game. How does that benefit the player? Honestly, I don't see how it does. So I will, uh, will agree to disagree on that one. Uh, Greg's really enjoyed you and Sarah Valley getting into this morning on the rundown. To quote you, love it. Uh, you know, it's a fun little debate. We, uh, if, if you missed it, we are just talking about Frank feels the American league should be completely revamped. And you know what? They don't care about junior hockey teams. Young guys should be in the American league at 18, 19, and 20. And I strongly disagree with that. I don't, I don't agree with Russian young players. And if suddenly you make the American league very young, guess what? Well, now they're even less prepared to come to the NHL. Where it's all men. Like Struddy and many other NHL players have told me, the jump from junior to the AHL was harder than the jump from the AHL to the NHL. Because in the AHL, you got a custom playing against men. Strong, smart, dedicated, committed, disciplined. If you have a really young league in the American League, guess what? You're not going to have that. So, and it stemmed from the conversation about Shane Wright. Like, I don't understand why Shane Wright got the. Uh, exception that he's allowed to play in the American League this year. Right? I don't really understand it. What what has he done in junior that is so much better than many? Go look at Jordan Eberle's junior numbers. I, and he's just one example. I can give you tons of examples. Leon Dreisaitl, right? Leon Drysaddle at 19 went back to junior. You saw him, Oiler fans. He wasn't ready for the NHL. That extra time in junior, did it hurt him? No, it benefited him. Then the next year he came in, pretty good player. So, yeah, I don't, I really don't understand uh, where that comes from. Hey, Gregs, don't sell yourself short. You're hell of a plug on the radio, too. Huh. Wow. Hey, it's probably true. Quick break. Uh, we will return with Thomas Ian Nicholas. Welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 brought to you by PlayAlberta.ca. That song, the new single, Tomorrow's Gonna Hurt, coming off the uh, seventh album. Of our uh, next guest, who is, uh, fittingly, our big guest of the day today. Brought to you by Spruce Grove Saints. Go to sprucegrovesaints.ca and get tickets for the Saints. It's, uh, hey, it's been a really competitive start to the AJHL season in the North Division. And great AJHL ho- hockey. Check it out at sprucegrovesaints.ca. Uh, we are joined by, uh, by an artist. He's a movie star, a TV star. And uh, for Connor Halley and, and many others, he was the uh, he was in your wheelhouse for sports movies. And then uh, maybe if you were a teenager, young adult in the, of course, uh, American Pie franchise when he played Kevin Myers. Of course, was also in uh, Rookie of the Year. And we are joined by Thomas Ian Nicholas. Thomas, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? Hey man, good,
0: glad to be here.
3: Hey, I appreciate you coming on. So, uh, album number 7. How's uh the obviously the musical career is going pretty well for you? How uh when you how'd you kind of transition from acting to music or were you always maybe musician first actor like which one if you could only do one, which one would you do? Uh
0: I am I'm, I'm going to answer both because <laughs> I've been doing both for about 24 years. Okay. Um so, you know, the new album comes out May 17th of next year. The first single, October 19th. I got to say, I appreciate you playing it on the air, but you cut it right before the chorus. That's like essentially making me feel like Nadia in the scene with <laughs> Jason Biggs and Jan Elizabeth. <laughs> He gets it twice. Yeah, yeah. She gets it no times.
3: Oh, geez. We got no chorus. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? We'll end the segment with the chorus. How about that? Well, okay, good. Uh, just good. Like I, don't wanna, I don't want I don't
0: want to give listeners blue balls, okay? Yeah, yeah, No,
3: that's fair. That's uh, hey, nobody wants that, man. That's uh that's not good at all. Now, you have uh you've played like over 1000 concerts in, a, in in 12 different countries for for the last 15 years. I I've always watched concerts, I've enjoyed them, and I feel like like sporting events, you play a game and it's live and it's like what a rush. But there's something about a concert that's like because in a sporting event, sometimes you know you're on the field then you get a little bit of break. When you're in a concert, sometimes you're up there 2 hours straight. Can can you talk about the rush from being on stage and how it differs and and, and must differ vastly from when you're filming because you're never filming usually with a live audience.
0: Yeah, and in fact, I'll I'll even bring this around to a sports-related story. I was just in Nashville for a sports convention. All my friends, when I say all my friends, I mean like the entire cast of The Sandlot was also at the convention, so they all came to my show. Yeah. Uh, I was playing at the Tin Roof on Broadway in Nashville. I had two days, three-hour sets each day. Wow. Plus, I was doing the convention in the daytime. So basically, I don't ever sleep when I'm on the road. Uh But yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And in fact, my buddy uh, Victor and Shane, who played uh, Timmy and Tommy, respectively, in yeah. the movie, came up and we jammed a Green Day song together.
3: Oof. So it's funny because Rookie of the Year is a very different type of movie, obviously, than the American Pies, which one like people relate to it, at especially a different age. Very closely. But is there one character because honestly, I remember rookie of the year and that's that's most sports people's like dream that somehow, some way they get to play professional sports, because it's incredibly hard to do. Um for you when you were in that movie and maybe watching it, was that a dream of yours? Like were you a like kid who was like, Yeah, one day I want to be an athlete?
0: I, I I wasn't. I mean, similar to Henry, I grew up uh with a you know a single mom. Okay. But unlike Henry's mom, my mom wasn't uh a pitcher uh you know floating in on a softball team uh you know she was uh she was my mom and she was also in the business she was a casting director and she still is an actress okay um and so yeah my my focus has always been more on the arts um and and to answer your previous question the difference between a live show and sort of you know filming is you get multiple takes and you get the best edit put together. It's more like being in the studio when I'm cutting the album where I can pick the best of every moment to make the perfect take versus in a live show. If you mess up, that's it. You're, you keep going forward. The mistake lives. Um, So, you know, even though you try to get like the most fun stuff, like especially in underdeveloped, which you can see now streaming on Tubi, the pilots on freebie and prime, but the, the whole season, Uh, One is on Tubi. And, you know, we may have picked the best moments, but we also look like we're having a lot of fun, which we were. So tell us a little bit about Underdeveloped, right? Uh,
3: It's also, I think, on Amazon uh, Freeves and Amazon Prime. Uh, It's with Tom Arnold, of course. Uh, Tell us a little bit about it.
0: Well, it's a mockumentary similar to The Office, a workplace comedy, uh, but it's failed producers forced to work together at a studio. You don't have to understand how films are made, to understand, you know, the, 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 this job or this, this show. Okay. It's more about, like, the, all the things that could go wrong at work. Basically, all these characters almost get or are going to be fired almost every episode, and it's watching them squirm their way out of it. Um, and, you know, it's dealing with a lot of things that are unfortunately in the workplace, like okay. favoritism, inequality of pay, racism. But we make fun of it all. So if you're dealing with this stuff at work, I apologize. If you need a release to laugh about, you know, our own drama in our real lives, then you can uh, get a kick out of watching the show.
3: Well, uh, and Tommy, see and Nicholas joins us uh, on the show right now. Uh, Thomas, when you mentioned, uh, you know, I apologize. But I would think, though, if people are going through it at work, they might actually relate to it. And it probably comes from a humor side. So it might actually make them uh, be able to handle it a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we all, you know, in our lives, and I try this because I've got two kids. So, you know, there are fun moments. And then there are moments where you get stressed out about like the smallest little thing. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, wait, that's actually pretty funny. So I think finding the humor in things can help us, you know, laugh while it's happening in our lives. Because, you know, honestly, if we don't have any control of it, what else are we going to do, right?
3: Oh, 100%. Now, oh, we got a lot of text coming in. I, I do want to ask you about Rookie of the Year. And what do you remember about and working with John Candy?
0: You know, uh, John Candy's uh, role in the film wasn't in the original script. Oh. So they never shot that in Chicago. Oh. And I had no idea that. We were gonna have announcer, let alone the John Candy in the film. So they filmed all his stuff uh on the studio a lot like three months later. Okay. And so I the film came out and then I ended up doing a PSA with John Candy. So that was the first time that I met him, was after the film was already released. And I, I have to tell you, he was the nicest, huh. most down to earth person ever. Uh we ended up hanging out at his uh his recording studio after the PSA for like a few hours, my mom and him just talking and I was playing video games with his son.
3: So for you and in, in your career, and you mentioned your mom was in the industry lot. So I don't know if it was easier or if there was less wow for you but as you're working your way up and you know like hey and I'm we're obviously in Canada right now you worked with some of the Canadian legends John Canada Eugene Levy's one of the funniest human beings I've ever met man like Schitt's Creek is still one of the hilarious SCTV you know obviously American Pie but was there an actor that when you got to meet them the first few times that you were just like oh my goodness this is unreal
0: yeah for me it was um going head to head with Mickey Rourke in my last film that I started oh, okay. and produced that Lionsgate put into yeah. the theaters, at least uh, theatrically here in the States. That's adverse. Uh, and you, add, add that Yeah, that's adverse. Okay. Um, and so I remember the very first time that I like was filming a scene with Mickey Rourke. Uh, his assistant was like, don't talk to him. Don't look at him. <laughs> and he came on set. And so like, you know, I, w- I was doing the scene with him and I hadn't even met him. We finished the scene and we got kind of like went off like dramatic improv and it kind of, the scene kind of tapered off. Finally, the director, you know, my business partner, Brian A. Metcalf, same guy from underdeveloped. He yells cut. So Mickey looks at me and he goes, Hey, I'm Mickey. And I'm like, Oh man, I must've passed the Mickey Rourke litmus test, you know?
3: So now why looking? why did she say don't talk to him? Is that cause he doesn't like that? He just wants to come in and, and make it more real because you don't know each other.
0: I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe he was afraid that when he arrived on set, he would get taken out of his character if like crew members asked to take photos with him or whatever. Who knows what he's experienced and no judgment on wanting that for his craft, because obviously he's an incredible actor um, and you don't know where someone's coming from. So I I wasn't judging that. I just that just was my experience where I, of course, respected that direction. Yeah. And then but then also gained his respect after we did our first take together.
3: Thomas, I was reading up um, a bio on yours, and, and this is the description they gave is the front man, of course, for the Thomas Nicholas band uh, as a hybrid of Dave Grohl meets Bruce, Spring- Bruce Springsteen. And his live performance is so much fun to watch. And people always come back to see another concert. What? Well, how, how do you take that? Like Dave, like those are two pretty big legends when it comes to, to music. How, how do you take that? And how would you describe yourself on stage?
0: Um, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of both of those artists. And in fact, uh, I've got dibs on the Bruce Springsteen biopic. Uh, and I asked Bruce in okay. 2006, face to face. He didn't say no. So I'm going to take that as a yes. <laughs> when I asked him for his, his blessing to portray him in a movie one day. Uh, and I actually recorded my, my last album at Dave Grohl's Studio 606 though I have yet to meet Dave, I did play his guitar on the entire record. I picked up a guitar to like test the amp, and I asked the engineer, I was like, oh, whose guitar is this? He goes, oh, it's one of Dave's. I'm like, should I put it back? No, 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 Dave gave you the shirt off his back. Go for it. So I recorded the whole album on that guitar.
3: Now, you've collaborated, uh, as we were joined by Thomas, uh, uh, Thomas Ian Nicholas, Uh you've collaborated with a lot of different musicians, a lot of different genres, you know, the Plain White Tees, early November, Ace Enders, Matthew Kennedy, etc. Is there somebody... Like if, if you got to
0: pick anybody,
3: is there one musician you'd want to collaborate with?
0: Dave Grohl. <laughs> I mean, hands down. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, that would be what would be incredible is if somehow because I've got Taylor Carroll, the drummer from Lit, uh, producing and mixing my current album. Okay, uh, and he's you know the one behind the the, the new single that will we'll get uh, we'll get to get our rocks off uh, the chorus at the end of this interview uh, as you promised. Yes, yeah, so we will. Um, Connor's gonna have it set right up. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Yeah. So I would I think it would be amazing, which I'm not going to ask because I have I mean, how could I ask Dave Grohl to collaborate on my album when we still haven't met yet?
3: Well, if you don't shoot your shot, man, how do you know?
0: But you gotta at least meet a person first. You can't just like go through management, like, hey, I'm a huge fan. Can we write a song together? Like, the vibe's gotta be there, you know? Right, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, you you can't just show up at his concert or something. Like, is there, (laughs) like, is there, like, I don't know, I don't know the rules on how you start collaborations. Like, is is showing up unannounced at a concert, like, is that a faux pas? Or would someone look at that and say, hey, you know what? I, I like your style.
0: Well, I mean, I know everyone in his camp and I know a few of the guys in the band. I mean, I've met a few of them. Uh, I remember when they did uh, before Taylor uh, was gone, they did like a, a pre-concert for a tour where they played at a 600 cap room about like here in Los Angeles. So I went to it and I remember there was a moment where Dave said, hey, is anyone here for the first time seeing the Foo Fighters? And I'm in like the pit. All the VIPs are like in the back, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm in the pit. This is my first concert, so I like a dumbass raise my <laughs> hand, and he points right at me, and he goes, "You," and I'm like, oh shoot, this is not a good idea. I should have kept my mouth shut. Could have, should have kept my arm down. He goes, I-, "I can't even see who you are, but." You picked the right concert to come to. And I'm like, thank God he didn't make me right then. That would not be the way I want my first introduction to go with Dave.
3: Well, I could say, hey, you know what is my? F- you did made a really good impression, Dave. I didn't know what to expect, but you know what, you really surprised me. So uh, I'm sure well, that might be a way to uh, do it. Now, Tom, going back to, your, to to your album and really more so your recent TV series with Underdeveloped. Um, if we go through, it, you talked a little bit earlier about it with you know it's kind of it's not like The Office, but it's it's a similar situation like that. And I want to ask you as somebody who like there's reboots that happen all the time. So I'm curious, like if they did a reboot of American Pie, because there's talk right now about a reboot of The Office. And let's say they came to you now and said, hey, we want to do a reboot of American Pie. D- can you do it? Like, how, where do you where do you feel on reboots? And does it depend on like the series or the movie and maybe where you're at in life? Like would a reboot for American Pie interest you at all?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, to to identify exactly what a reboot is, a reboot is when they remake it with all new cast and don't involve any of the original. Um, So they're, in fact, already developing that uh, at Universal, but it's for their home video department fused because they they, people hear reboot and they think like, you know, they're going to revamp it. But it's not a sequel. It's not with the original cast. And then they got confused because it said Universal 1440, which is their home video department, not the theatrical one. Uh, So this will just be like the sixth offshoot of American Pie as a franchise. They are interested in doing a fifth American Pie with the original cast. They just haven't come to terms with negotiation with the creator, um, which they have to do before they before it gets to us. If once they get to us, we're all going to be like, yeah, let's go have some fun. What would Kevin Myers be like today? (laughs) I have no idea. I'm going to leave that to Adam hers because, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think I want my, my, my real life to intersect with Kevin Meyer. I don't think that really makes much sense. You know what? Kevin quit his life as an architect and suddenly he's in a rock band. No, no one would believe that. No, they wouldn't believe
3: that. That's, that's totally (laughs) fair. Um, so before I let you go, Connors, do, do we have, are we ready? Because we, we, don't, we don't want to leave you with blue balls before we end the interview, Thomas. So here we go. We're, and then we're going to give you, I want to get your thoughts after we get to the course. Just don't okay. I not Right
0: now. It's going to be a late night, good time,
4: cloud run, bad time, running from my real life, just running from my real life. I should go home, because I'm
0: not. I'll stay for one
3: more Here we go Tomorrow's gonna hurt right. okay Hey, you didn't didn't, uh, oversell that I like it So I want to ask, as a musician And you do all this work, you collaborate all Is every time you hear your song still cool? Or are you like a perfectionist And after you've heard it so many times You're like, okay, I need a new one How does it work?
0: Man, I, I don't listen. You, there's sort of this this cycle that happens when you first uh, record a new song or a new album, where you spend <clears throat> so much time listening to it, fixing all the mistakes or the or or you know doing whatever you want to do to it, and then so you'll listen to that song yeah like a hundred times <laughs> yeah, and then after that I, I I won't ever put it on again. Okay. I'll play it live. Yeah. Um, you know, and and uh and all that. But yeah, there there's there's sort of like a, a cycle, at least for me as a creator. Um, so you spend so much time listening to it incessantly that there's not like a time later where I'm like, I'm gonna kick on. I I like the same thing with my movies. Like, I don't like just kick on an old movie <laughs> like, boy, I want to just relive the nostalgia from 24 years ago play. <laughs> um, you know, I'm always just like focused on what I'm doing next, which is you know. Like obviously the new TV show and there's a bunch of other projects that we have in the works right now that I I can't talk about yet. Okay, obviously SAG is still on strike. Right. Uh, Underdeveloped got a waiver, so I can obviously talk about that.
3: Now, what about with your kids? They, have you, you shown them like? Do they like to see Dad as a young actor?
0: Well, first of all, my son is in Underdeveloped. he oh. plays Tom Arnold's son in episode two. Okay. Um, and you if you saw M Night's last film not knock at the cabin but the one before that old on the beach yeah my son is the main kid in that m night movie oh wow i didn't know that um so, so you got him in the
3: industry so does he watch well, yeah, does, does he critique you in rookie of the year yet well dad i'm not what are, what are you doing here
0: <laughs> no he he and, and my daughter so my son's uh almost 12 my daughter is seven they've both seen the film and then what's very cute is uh when I go out of town on tour for, like, the weekend, when my daughter misses me, she watches, she watches one of my movies. Oh, which well, makes sense. Just the cutest thing ever. Yeah,
3: no. Now, one last one for you, and I apologize if you've been asked this question before, but, you know, we read a lot of challenges about, you know, child actors and how it's really difficult, and a lot of them don't come out and, and maintain success, and, and a lot of them struggle with it. Um, it seems like that's not the case with you. How are you able... To go through the childhood acting career and then continue on successfully, and then of course branch out into music as well.
0: For me, I I uh, I, I give a lot of kudos to my mom. You know, she she is kind of like the rock in in my life, and and has always been supportive, um, and and has kind of like led me down the right path. I think when I was a kid, she gave me what I like to call pseudo freedom. She gave me just enough freedom to, like, make mistakes and learn from it, (laughs) but not too much freedom that I ruined my life over it. Makes sense.
3: So when you make a mistake, you you can have the threes and fours out of tens, but not the nine and tens out of tens.
0: Well, you know, she she by giving me that pseudo freedom, she opened up communication, which is what I hope to do, you know, with my kids that. You know when they are going through that that adolescence, that true adolescence where yeah. you're you're faced with those decisions that they feel comfortable enough to say, "Hey, this is what I'm going through, this is what I saw. this is kind of what I did and how I and well, and then it's like we can talk about it. I think communication's the key. it's when you don't want to talk to your parents, you don't want to admit anything that you've done that you go off and make even worse decisions. so I think it's just about having that support and that that openness that like sort of tough love but also just the idea of love
3: well said thomas and uh, continued success uh, congratulations on underdeveloped and i really look forward to down the road when we see the collaboration of nicholas and grohl
0: <laughs> that would be amazing. From your mouth to God's ears, my friend. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it.
3: Uh there's Thomas Ian Nicholas. Uh quite the successful career man from uh rookie of the year, obviously to American Pies got seven albums. Now his least uh most recent uh T V show underdeveloped. It's on uh Tubi, Amazon, Free, You can get it uh anywhere you like, uh, online as well. Uh underdeveloped. And uh you heard the premise of the show. Kind of humorous. So give it a run it was it was amazing to me i'm doing that interview with him of course uh, as i'm watching him uh we're, we're in our stream yard on uh on orders nation youtube and i'm looking at him and it's like i'm talking to kevin myers because that's that's what i relate to him for me right like obviously i remember rookie of the year but i more so remember him as kevin Meyer in american pie like i love that that whole series it was great and uh you know it's interesting like you could see if it's right there it's it's too funny so thanks to uh, Brad for setting that up. We'll come back. Uh, Bronte will join us on the Jason Greger show on Edmonton Sports Theater. TSN, sorry, Sports 1440. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues We continue on Monday afternoon Jason Greger show Alongside Connor Halley and Sports 1440 And Orders Nation uh, YouTube Guys pretty sweet You can get a guest like that Who lined that one up Curious from Doug Well that is uh, Brad Slater Our executive producer So uh, good on Slates right, we'd like to be a sports show With some uh, entertainment mixed in I think most of you uh, Of course watch Rookie of the Year American Pie Maybe have listened to The uh, Thomas Nicholas Band Watching the new show, so kind of neat. Sports and entertainment they intertwine sometimes. I like it. Let's get now to the oil report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. If you're a first responder, medical worker, teacher, military veteran, you all qualify for a thousand dollars off your vehicle right now at volvomontain As we uh, welcome in Robin Brownley, longtime beat reporter for the uh, Edmonton orders and uh, rumors are down to the final week of preseason. And you've got uh, Lavoie and Ernie on the same line with James Hamlin. Everybody knows that there's one forward spot. It's seemingly up for grabs right now. Lavoie, Ernie, Hamlin, I guess, in a sense, in there. Brad Malone. Also, uh, Lane Peterson and uh, hey, Lavoie and Ernie both scored last game. So, you know, that internal competition. Uh, I love the fact that they're on the same line tonight. Malone's in the game. They're all in the game except Peterson. And it's like, hey, they will know and they'll kind of have to match how the other guys playing if they want to keep doing something to get
5: noticed. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I found it interesting too. Jay Woodcroft said today, uh, talking about Lavoie, he's had some good moments and he's had some learning moments, so I mean that's an honest assessment and what he needs tonight if he wants to lock up a spot is more of those good moments. He's not going to know everything and' he's not going to be a complete player at this point, but if he wants that spot at this point in his career, um go out there and get after it. I mean, I like that game in vancouver the The shot he took is what we've heard we've talked about and heard about. Uh, you know, put the puck in the net, uh, pulled it between the the circles there and let it hum. And, uh, you know, he's got a shot, but so do the other guys. I mean, I'm not a big Adam Ernie fan, only because we've sort of seen what he is at the NHL level, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's an NHL player. Uh, Lavoie has not proven he is that yet. hamlin has been kind of handy to have around. So, yeah, I mean... Go into this game, outshine the other guys, answer some of the questions in the coach's mind with your performance tonight. That's going to go a long way because we're down to uh, brass tacks, as the old saying goes.
3: You know, I look at, you know, Brandon Sutter and, uh, you know, I thought Brandon Sutter played fine. He didn't look out of place. But I remember talking to him in the start of training camp and he said the thing about long COVID was it was as much as he had the shortness of breath and everything, it it really impacted his immune system. And so, you know, he played his three games, uh, you know, he played three of the first five games, which is exactly they had a plan. He was going to play three of the first five. He played three of the first five and and clearly he knows how his body would feel. And, you know, him retiring was for health reasons, according to, to Ken Holland from spec and you know what it obviously comes down to just there's something that his body you know what his immune system maybe he's gonna get worn down he just doesn't want to do it it's it's too risky for him so I'm happy that he was able to give it a go and that no now he can just return to to normal life be a you know loving dad uh husband but it is you know it opens up a spot because I think the way he played, he was probably trending to be the guy right there. He hadn't done anything that stood out like, wow, he's the best, but he definitely didn't do anything to say he's the worst. So who do you put now? If you had to put a peck in order right now, who would you say is the leader to get that 12th forward spot?
5: Well, you know what? I'm a bit of a, f- I'm a, bit of a fan of uh, Lavoie. I want to see him here. I don't think uh, that he's going to be exposed playing in this lineup, if you can't play him, uh, you know, in that bottom six and specifically on the fourth line with that top end, I I can't think of too many teams that could shelter a kid uh, better than this. You're not throwing him into the deep end. And I heard you talking earlier. Well, you got to play him in in the top six. No, you don't. That's the last thing you need to do. If he's going to be a top six player, that could happen two or three years down the road. Sure. But start here. Make the team show you can be an NHL player. And when you're big and you're strong and you can shoot the puck like he does, I think he's got the ingredients to be that NHL player. Uh, is he far enough ahead of Ernie, of, uh, of the other guys? I don't know. I think we know what Ernie is, like I said. So do you want a sure thing now or do you want to? grab the kid and make sure nobody gets their mitts on him. If I'm making the calls and I'm not, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at Lavoie. He's my guy right now, unless he completely, you know, what's the bed in this game tonight.
3: Yeah. Um, he, and that's interesting. I, I don't have a front runner. I don't think there's an obvious front runner in, in my eyes right now. Um, you know, And, and if Lavoie makes it, there is, there is the, the caveat that Derek Ryan, they have to be comfortable with him playing center, right? That's the one thing that, and that's out of Lavois control, right? So no. it's funny. So I'm sure Raphael Lavois, as well as he's playing, he's kind of saying, okay, Derek, have a really good game tonight playing center. You know what I mean? Like that's going to help him. That's just a fact.
5: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's, it's interesting. We don't know, uh, the dynamic. You know, when when the players talk, and I'm sure there's, you know, there's some back and forth there. You know, have a – I don't know where he fits best. Does Jay Woodcroft know where Lavoie fits best? I mean, here's another guy in Ryan. This is an NHL player every day of the week, 24-7. He's going to factor into it so – you know, I don't know. I just, the guy I don't want to see get away, and I go keep going back to it because I feel strongly about it because we've seen it before. There's a happy medium between rushing a player uh, for into minutes he's not ready for. We've seen it with a lot of defensemen over the years. And not giving a guy a chance and burying him so you never get anything out of the kid. I think Raphael Lavois is the happy medium between. Do we know for sure he's ready? Well, he's looked pretty good. What our eyes tell us, he looks pretty good. Let's put him down the lineup and protect him, uh, where he's got some cover, and see what we've got. Rather than hey, anybody want to crack at this kid? Because I got a. I, I don't. I'm not sure he'll. He'll go to another team. We've. Uh, I think sometimes we assume everybody sees a gets a glance at one player who's here and they just they've got to have him and often he he clears, but why take that chance with LaVoy right now? Uh are you throwing him in the deep end without any kind of cover uh if he makes this team on the fourth line? I don't think so. What's what's the downside to it? That would be my question.
3: Uh, no, that's fair. Um I I I don't know if I've seen enough to say for sure. Lavoie is an NHL player and I can't yeah. say that I've seen enough to say that he isn't when the Martins. Right. And that's, that's the, uh, that's the challenge of it for sure. So um, I'm Lavoie on paper interests you. The, and, and the reason why I think it's smart to play him in the bottom six, get him comfortable in the bottom six. Cause you have to play a different style in the bottom six. That's just a fact. You have to. So right. to for people who want to say, give him a period, give him a game. Why, now you're confusing him. Now you're going to say, oh, now you've got to suddenly play a different style to play with McDavid or Drysaddle for one game, and then the next game go back. Why would you? Now you're putting him in a position to fail. It makes no sense to me.
5: Yeah, send a clear message and stick with that message for more than five minutes. And that's what playing him further down the lineup does. Once he feels like he belongs in the National Hockey League, Then you've got a shot of him doing something down the road, higher up the lineup. But, but, you know, the expectations, we don't, I mean, we don't know what makes Lavoie tick. I don't know the kid. Um, I'm not around there. But at this stage in his career, well, if I'm in the top six, there's a whole, you know what, there's a whole slate of expectations that come with playing on those first two lines, and they're legit. These are men playing hockey. They're making uh, good money, and if you're in the top six, you better show in a big hurry why you're playing in the top six. There's no such pressure. You can't be a dog, but there's no such pressure in that in that bottom f- group of three. You get a chance to play hockey, get your feet wet, and see where it goes after that. Rooms we will uh, watch tonight with
3: interest and all week long as uh, one spot up for grabs, and there's there yeah, three maybe four five guys uh, in the mix for that job uh, Brad Malone's the one name that I wouldn't count out. I would not count out Brad Malone the coach knows his game inside and out right It's just a fact I think we lo- I think we lost Rubes there so uh there you go. that was uh, the oil report brought to you by Volvo of Edmonton. It's true on Brad Malone the coach knows him and that the coach knows exactly what he's gonna get from Brad Malone every night. physical player, center iceman. Kill penalties. I do want to get to this quick text before we go to a break. Hey, guys, I love your back on the air. I don't always agree with your take on Lavoie. The Flames did the same thing with Brett Hall. They tried to cram him into the bottom six. When he failed, they traded him to St. Louis, a team that recognized him as a top six guy. Preseason's a time for experimenting. We know that from Paul. Well, Paul, I will say this, though. Your memory is a little bit foggy. Brett Hall had scored 50 goals in 65 AHL games in 1987. The next season, he's in Calgary. He had 26 goals in 52 games. And by the way, it wasn't all in the power play. He was second on their team in five on five goals. He wasn't playing they had Joe Newndyke, Hawk and Mike Bullard, Joe Mullen, Brett Hall, right He wasn't he wasn't crammed in the bottom six all the time. He might have played a few games in there, but he played the majority of his time in the, in the top six. and he had 26 goals in 52 games when they traded him. Now did they give up on him a little bit earlier? Did they maybe not like his attitude? Totally fair. But this guy was producing, and no offense to Raphael Lavoie, he ain't Brett Hall, okay, He's not close to Brett Hall. There's very few guys are like Brett Hall's a 700 goal scorer in the National Hockey League. Calgary made a bad move trading him, fair, but it wasn't because he played him in the bottom six all the time. The guy had 26 goals in 52 games before they traded him. It's pretty good. Quick break. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley and a sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE Engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial, and industrial, structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact